While we were marching through Georgia, everybody swing your honey, swing your high and low. The Alaman left for the old left hand, around the ring you go. A grand old right to left walk on your heel and toe. From an that pretty gal to Georgia. In New York City, near the Bronx, there's a revolving railroad bridge that crosses a body of water called Spiten Dival. It's a Dutch name that means to spite the devil. The story is that when the Dutch held Manhattan in the 1600s, the British arrived to attack and a Dutch trumpeter vowed to swim the waters of the river and warn the people on the other side in spite of the devil. The water is rough and it would take a strong, experienced swimmer to cross it. I've since looked this story up and I'm pretty sure he didn't make it. I could tell you more about Spite and Dival from memory. I can because I grew up near the Hudson River, kind of across from the you-know-what, and every single time I was in my car with my dad and we came within 20 miles of the river, he would tell us that story. Any Boy Scout who was part of my dad's troop knows that story too. They heard it just about every time they traveled somewhere. But you know what? One time I was on a train with a friend of mine and we passed through Spite and Dival Station. Before I even knew what I was doing, I was telling him the story. And that brings me to the mission statement for this podcast, the reason I do this. My goal is to expose as many people as possible to their local history, to give them the stories that they can share on long car rides or around a campfire. Small pieces of local history make a town your town. They make a car ride on Sunday a chance to reconnect with the past, and they give you a story to share with others so they can find that connection as well. This is Moving Through Georgia Season 2, Episode 10, Stories for the Car. What if you're driving through Banks County one afternoon? Do the people in the car with you know that the county was named for Dr. Richard Banks, who was renowned in the early 1800s for treating settlers and Native Americans for smallpox? They might if they read the roadside marker, but not everybody reads those roadside markers. His practice was mostly in Gainesville, and he's buried in Alta Vista Cemetery there, but when the county was formed in 1858, his memory was held in high enough esteem that his name was chosen for the new county. As you travel through the county, you encounter the impact that railroads had on this region. There's Baldwin, named after an airline railroad executive. Gillsville which is named after a prominent settler family but was originally named Stone Throw because the railroad crews said it was a stone's throw from Maysville. Lula, named after the daughter of a railroad executive. The county seat is Homer, named after an early settler named Homer Jackson, parts of which were once known as Julesville. Commerce was originally Groaning Rock. Oh. In 1825, the post office was set up and the community was officially named Harmony Grove. The town became a center of the local cotton trade, leading to the name Commerce in 1904. Had enough? Did you know alto is Italian for high, a word you see in music notation, but which also refers to the city of alto's high elevation? This town, which is just about a mile square was chosen for the site of the first state tuberculosis asylum due to its altitude. 
A contemporary newspaper column describes Alto as a place where constant breezes blow and where the atmosphere is laden with pure ozone and other aids to failing health. It was in use until the 50s when it became part of the Georgia prison system. They moved the tuberculosis asylum to Milledgeville. Originally, the prison held young men and it even had a football team and marching band. In 2005, it converted to the women's prison it is today. Maybe you're in Hall County. Gainesville was originally named Mule Camp Springs, but when it was selected as the county seat of Hall County, it was renamed after General Edmund P. Gaines. Gaines is the same man that Gainesville's are named after in Florida, Texas, and New York, plus some scattered Gaines streets and Gaines boroughs throughout the land. Gainesville is mostly known now for poultry processing, and that's because of a man named Jesse Jewell. Jewell had a novel idea to expand the family chicken business in the face of the Great Depression. He sold chicks and feed to farmers on credit, then bought them back when they had grown. Jewell was a pioneer of what we now call vertical integration. His company bought and sold chickens, feed, supplies, transportation, packing, every aspect of the poultry industry. In honor of the industry that Jesse Jewell worked so hard to bring to Gainesville, there stands in downtown a statue of a chicken. A statue on top of what the Roadside America website describes as a monolith. A pinnacle of marble. Well, it is next to Jesse Jewell Parkway, so he did get something of a monument. Just outside of Gainesville, we moved from chickens to rabbits. The story is that nearby lived a small enclave of people who called their home Rabbit Town, where people raised rabbits for dinner. There are still current residents who refer to the area as Rabbit Town. In 1993, a longtime resident and honorary mayor of Rabbit Town invited a sculptor named Denny Wally from Atlanta to build a rabbit memorial to honor the memory of their village. The rabbit stands in the parking lot of the Rabbit Town Cafe. It sits on a podium with one paw raised in a salute to the cars going by. When I first moved to Georgia and tried to get to a job interview in Gainesville, that was one of the first things I came across. Now, if you're really into chickens and you don't mind a little driving, there's a 56-foot-tall chicken that towers over a KFC in Marietta. It was built in the early 60s for an independent chicken restaurant, and it's undergone quite a bit of renovation over the years. Its beak and eyes even move. Not quite as dignified as the sole rooster soaring above the city of Gainesville, but you're more likely to notice it as you pass by. Hartwell, Georgia has a roadside historical marker pointing out the center of the world. Its Cherokee name was Ayelialohi, although I'm pretty sure it probably wasn't pronounced like that, but I am doing my best from the book here. It was a place for the Cherokee to assemble and trade. Sitting at the confluence of some well-used trails, this was also a place for celebration and socializing for the Cherokee. And there were passenger pigeons. Apparently, there were lots of passenger pigeons in the area. Passenger pigeons believed in safety in numbers. Sometimes flocks would number over a million, 
and eventually an entire industry grew around following and hunting passenger pigeon flocks. The birds needed large forests to survive, and between hunting and loss of habitat, they began to die out. The last passenger pigeon died in a zoo in 1914. Paul Anderson was born in Tekoa in 1932. At five years old, he was diagnosed with a chronic kidney inflammation called Bright's disease, and now it's more often called nephritis. He survived and grew into a young man with a passion for weightlifting. He gained nationwide interest for his prowess at lifting weights and even visited the USSR after World War II where, as the story goes, he won the hearts and cheers of the Russian audience with his strength. He later won a gold medal in the heavyweight lifting event at the 1956 Olympics. He and his wife started the Paul Anderson Youth Home in Vidalia to give troubled youth a better path in life than incarceration, and although Paul passed away in 1994, the foundation continues on. Where Tuggalo Street turns into Big A Road in Tekoa is a fountain, and in the center of it stands Paul Anderson cast in bronze and holding up a lot of weight. Judging from the stories told about him, some of which are easy to confirm and some of which are a little elaborated, on the whole, he was a larger-than-life figure who knew the value of a public show of strength and who tried very hard to make the world a better place. Okay, so this was kind of a quick podcast, just of things you can see in Northeast Georgia from your car window, and I was really happy to work on this one with my daughter as well. This one was a lot of fun to put together. So just a reminder, Moving Through Georgia is a history podcast mostly focusing on Northeast Georgia. If you have any questions, comments, or complaints, please send them to movingthroughgeorgia at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. And if you are driving your kids somewhere this weekend, tell those stories. And then next weekend, tell them again. They'll remember them. You never know what kids remember and pass on. And honestly, if you don't consider yourself a historian, consider yourself a storyteller. If you don't know the history of an area, make something up. I remember being in Cub Scouts with my father driving the station wagon and 18 of us in the back. And every time we drove past Grant's tomb, my father would say, who's buried in Grant's tomb? And a chorus of third graders would answer, George Washington. Around the ring you go, a grand old right left walk on your heel and toe, from an a depth pretty gal to Georgia. That's all.